Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Some things speak to us without saying a word. Discover the feeling of a BMW 3 Series. Book a test drive today. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fans. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEAU. Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker, Doug. Usually I would say something super funny and clever here, but we don't have time. We've got a No time show. for shenanigans coming up. We're deep diving into the latest in a line of greatest Hornets victories since 2004. This one last night over the San Antonio Spurs. Plus, we go inside the locker room with Justin Thomas from ESPN 730 to discuss Jeremy Lamb and Troy Daniels sharing that sweet, sweet last rotation spot. And we heard probably the funniest thing we've ever heard at a Hornets press conference, and we're going to share it with you. It's coming up in our one last thing. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app, and get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. Give us a five-star review if you have a chance. Write a short review. It helps us move up the rankings and feed our children, our many, many children. And with that, let's swarm Charlotte. Hornets win! Hornets win! They beat the San Antonio Spurs 91-88 after scoring seven points in the first quarter. That's right, David. I said seven points. Here to help us uh, discuss this game is Charlotte Sports Radio and Hornets podcast legend Taylor Zarzar from Sirius XM, the first team on Sirius XM's college sports station, Channel 84. Taylor, how are you, my friend? Can I... Can I put that on the business card, legend? I like that. Do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's no, the truth. It's, it's, it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. Taylor, thank you so much for joining I'm just, us. Uh, I'm just, I'm just Dubs' friend. That's all. Uh, that's what I want. Uh, how I want to be introduced. <laughs> that's how I introduce you. So that's all good. Perfect. Uh, Taylor, what on God's green honeycomb court did we witness last night against the Spurs? How about that, man? I mean, when when Kimba is clearly totally out of gas and you know I, i'm starting to get a little worried about big al but uh lynn sanity is just ridiculous and you know i don't i mean it's one thing if this team is going to score seven points and just come out that flat and uh make some sort of effort against i don't know the hawks or you know uh you name it the timberwolves but to do it against the franchise that at least i respect more than any other in the entire NBA is, is remarkable. I mean, this it's what's crazy about it is the Spurs are having one of the 10 greatest seasons in NBA history and nobody's really focusing on it because the Warriors are 63 and seven, but uh, to do it, I mean, and again, what Golden State did last year is great. What they're doing this year is great, but still to me, the best organization in basketball are the San Antonio Spurs. So uh, to come back and do that against them is just remarkable. And the fact that, Boris DL is uh, on the Spurs team. Gives me even uh, special satisfaction. <laughs> That's your boy. That's your boy, Taylor. Uh, you, Bobo! <laughs> now, Taylor, you have been here in Charlotte for – you've been a Charlotte team for what, about 10 years or so? Uh, I have lived in North Carolina for 12 years, yeah. Uh, okay, but, okay. Uh, yeah. So you've seen the best and – 
you've seen the worst of uh, the Charlotte NBA franchise going back to the Bobcats days. I mean, when you look at how far they've come, did, did at that time, did you think this team would be able to pull itself out of the gutter to back where it is now, challenge your home court uh, advantage in the playoffs? And what do you think has been the biggest key for that? Just time, you know, uh, new additions? I mean, how, how do you assess this resurgence of Charlotte NBA basketball? It's a great question because um, a few years ago I did this funny you know radio bit when I was working here locally and the Bobcats were having the the worst season in the history of the game percentage wise and I said that's it I'm going to start running to work I live nine miles away from work I'm going to start <laughs> running to work uh, until the Bobcats win another game uh, and and while I still see David Walker on this route that I was running quite often, uh, I don't want to run that far anymore. Uh, but as I was doing, as I was running that each day, uh, I was thinking, God, I mean, this is just such a train wreck. And, it, you know, I mentioned Dial. Dial had a, basically tried to start a mutiny, literally, against the organization, um, became, by all accounts, by insiders, some of the nicest people I've ever met that are, let's just say it's still affiliated with the franchise, called it the biggest act of insubordination they've ever seen. So you have that going on. You win seven games in a season. You're thinking, golly, man, is Michael Jordan and anything he's associated with ever going to work in terms of the front office? And you don't have to give him a lot of credit. He, he understood his shortcomings, his weaknesses. He knew that, he can't be as involved in so many different things, live in South Florida as frequently, or be in South Florida as frequently is, and still try to say the buck stops with me. While he's still the majority owner of the team and certainly is always available to be in any conversation, he basically said, okay, Fred, you're in charge of everything that happens off the court, you and Pete Gwelly. Uh, Rich is in charge of everything that happens on the court. And they've, they have created – uh, and obviously he had to make some extremely difficult decisions with uh, very close friends like Rod Higgins and parting ways with him. And, and they've just created a very stable organization. Uh, I've, there's no one in marketing, in sports marketing, I admire more than Pete Gwelly. Uh, what he did to make sure they were making the right step to bring the name back was really smart. And the way he did it was very, very well done. And, you know, Rich Cho, uh, then hiring Steve Clifford. I mean, just to do all these, just to get all these things together was so impressive. And obviously the, you know, drafting MKG was a great decision. Drafting Kimbo was a terrific decision. Signing Big Al at that time, I think, turned a lot of heads. Batum has been incredible. Um, they've just made a lot of really, really good decisions in free agency and in the draft. But, um, they've 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 done a very good job of being smart about it the last couple of years. But no, I, it's crazy. I mean, David, you're from here. You you understand this better than anybody. I, I think that a lot of Charlotteans almost don't feel like it's real yet. It's kind of like the Panthers. What they just even though the Super Bowl was such a bummer to to go 17 and two and have the best team in the end of NFL and have the MVP and now to have this team that's on the heels of doing something really special in the playoffs for the first time in a long time, um, it's, it's almost hard to believe because of all the hell this city has been through professionally when it comes to sports. Yeah, I think you're right. We talk about it all the time and establishing a culture, which I think they did that with Cho and Clifford and then committing, you know, doubling down on Clifford this year by, by, by keeping him in town, I think was a big thing, especially when you see guys coming in, they talk about it. Um, you see a culture change. I think that's maybe the hardest thing to do. It doesn't happen overnight. And you're right. Uh, MJ d- does deserve some credit for taking some step back and making some good hires. So it's been impressive to watch. And, you know, as a Charlton, couple that with the Panthers, it, it's a pretty fun time to be here. We did want to get your thoughts, Taylor, on some of the guys coming up from the college ranks. It's a middle of March madness, as you know. Simmons and Ingram yeah. are obviously two of the of the bigger names. Uh, the Hornets won't, won't have a shot at those two guys. But are there any players you've seen, whether it be maybe some upperclassmen, because, I mean, really this season has been ruled by seniors. Are there any guys out there that you think the Hornets, you know, would look at or, or would fit fit well here, um, shooters or perhaps, I don't know, Doug? What, Two-way players, yeah. rim protectors. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think the Hornets actually, I, even though the, in many years you kind of want to be up there at the beginning and, and have a chance at some of these transcendent players, and I just remember how much frustration there was with the ping pong balls the year that um, that Anthony Davis in New Orleans uh, got the first pick, and MKG has been terrific, no question about it. But um, it's, it really stunk, you know, waiting on ping pong balls to – see where you're going to draft after you had a horrible year and you don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, I would actually be much more concerned if I was say Philadelphia or the Lakers or Phoenix, because I, there's, I think it's such blind faith when it comes to Ben Simmons and Ingram and, and Jalen Brown. I really think that Ingram's going to be a terrific player, but he weighs 190 pounds. I mean, yeah. his body reminds me of Tayshawn Prince's, you know, it's like, Everybody talks about Kevin Durant and the wingspan with him, and, and he's, a, he's a great player. Make no mistake, I think he's going to be a great pro. But, I mean, it's going to take five years probably for him to really grow in and mature into that body. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a lot of blind faith. Ben Simmons, I mean, justifiably so, you have to question uh, the leadership of someone when you're wanting to draft them with the first pick. Harrison Barnes is a good pro. He, make no mistake, I think he is a really solid pro. But when Harrison Barnes came out of college, it was kind of the same thing. How come this guy is so um, apathetic sometimes and he just lets Kendall Marshall and John Henson and his teammates run the show? Why won't he be more aggressive? And he still seems to relish being in that role. So I, I know this is, I'm going around and around about this, but I, I would be much more concerned if I were a Hornets fan and they were in this position thinking, Golly, is Ben Simmons really going to be the cornerstone of my franchise for years to come? I'd, or or Ingram, I'd have a lot of trepidation about that. So I think it's good that the Hornets are going to be, you know, what, somewhere around maybe number 20 or, you know, 22 yeah, or somewhere like in there. Yeah, and if that's the case, then I think that they're going to get a pretty good player. If they got a guard, let's say they got a shooting guard, with with that pick, there's there's a couple of guys out there. There's a kid at uh, Florida State, Dwayne Bacon, and one at Car- uh, Michigan, Karis Levert, who I think would be really good players. I really like uh, Levert. He's six he's six foot seven and seems like he's a, a really good two way player. The the other thing I like about him is he's been there for four years, and uh, he won a lot of big games for Michigan a couple of years ago. Did play on that team that got to the national championship game. Um, and, you know, has been in the NCAA tournament, been in a, a big conference. So I think that he would be a good – you're going to get a role player. You're going to get a guy that's going to come in and, and hopefully give you solid 10, 15 minutes. I think that he would be a good guy there. If they're going to go with with a big guy, I don't think Bryce Johnson would still be on the board. And I know people are going to mm-hmm. say, oh, come on, Hornets, Tar Heels, you know, when's it going to stop? But he, <laughs> MJ, you're at it man, again. Yeah, no, I I think – I do think that he is going to be a solid NBA player. I really like his intensity level. Um, I thought that what he did in Raleigh last weekend was just sensational against a couple of really good pros. In fact, the pro I trust, the guy I trust the most out of everyone in college basketball, I've been saying this all year, is Chris Dunn at -hmm. Providence. And obviously he'll be long gone by the time the Hornets uh, are drafting. But um, the way that Johnson, the fact that against Bennell and, and Dunn, he played so well last uh, Saturday night was impressive. So I would say one of those guys, you know, and here's the other thing, you know, if, if big Al is gone, uh, diamond stone, big guy at Maryland, who you'll see mm-hmm. play here against uh, Kansas in a couple of days. I think he's another guy that's more of a project though. I mean, if, if I were him, honestly, I'd come back to college and I would have to play another season for the Terps. But if he does the thing that almost all of these guys do, uh, and he decides to go pro, I think he'll probably still be around when the Hornets are drafting, and, and certainly they're going to have to look at that. That's going to be interesting. I would be lying if I didn't say when Bryce Johnson swatted that ball into the 10th row, if I didn't have <laughs> visions of him defending the paint in Charlotte. Hey, Taylor, you and Greg McElroy, uh, 7 to 10 every weekday morning on Channel 84, am I right? You got it. You got it. Thanks so much for joining us, Taylor. We really appreciate your time, and and we'd love to have you back on the show soon. Anytime, my friends. Glad to do it. That is Taylor Zarzer. You can listen to him again on the first teams on Sirius XM Radio, the college sports station, channel 84. I'd be lying if I said that Dwayne Bacon didn't sound extremely delicious. He's cooking, you know what I'm saying? Mm.
Yeah, see, that's really when I talk about players that I like to see the Hornets draft, I really focus in on guys that I can make a really good pun with their name on Twitter. That that ranks really high in my scouting report. Hey, let's talk about – I've been saying it all morning, honestly. I've been walking around work saying the Hornets beat the Spurs. Say it with me, David. It sounds good off the tongue. The Hornets beat the the San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs were beaten by the Hornets. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, dog, but it really happened, and it was insane how it happened. Yeah, absolutely. So the Hornets score seven points in the the first quarter. Poor Jeremy Lamb. He tried to he tried to make it nine. He tried to get it get it back up above uh, seven. That's the seven, the lowest number of points in the first quarter in a victory for the Hornets slash Bobcats. Real, or actually, no, this is any team since 2008, and seven points, the lowest first quarter total. And really, it was just the – obviously, it was offensive execution wasn't there for the Hornets, but the Spurs were also playing some really stifling defense, just closing out on Batum, uh, really containing Walker, keying in on him, and, and it just wasn't a good quarter for the Hornets. But no. as we know, and as many who are listening know now – the Hornets rebounded in a big way. A lot of that thanks to Jeremy Lin. 29 points, 7 rebounds, 4 of 4 from beyond the arc. Hopefully that's a sign of things to come, David. Hope that his three-point shot looked beautiful. That moon ball, this new shot that he has that goes way high in the air. Luckily last night, it went in the basket as well. It went in a lot, and he you could see it on his face and in his post-game interview. He was relieved. I mean, what he was saying after the show, great point. after the game, he he had been frustrated. But, we, I mean, we hadn't really seen that frustration. Now, winning as a team, you know, will mask a lot of that. But it just looked like this wave of relief had washed over him when Nelly was, you know, it helps. when, when <laughs> it Nelly helps when Nelly's back there. Yeah. But he was relieved, and he was glad to have some success and help his team in a big win. And I think if that's going to change anything, maybe maybe that's what changes things for him. Just this, you know, deep breath of, oh, man, I've been working on my shot. And we saw him in the offseason. and he worked a lot. He worked hard. And um, he's had successes this year, but he was going through a bit of a down slump, you know, since the, since the first of the year. So I think that uh, if he can keep that going, I mean, hey, that, that's going to be huge for this team. The Spurs were 52-3 and three in games in which they went into the half leading. By any points, the Hornets were 6-23 and 23 when trailing at the half. Didn't matter because the Hornets, they haven't gotten off to good starts. We know that. That's been a trend with this Hornets team. But they have... As of late, for sure, yeah. Yeah, but they have developed an ability to come out of the half with a different attitude. And look, the bench played amazing. 41 points and Jeremy Lin's 29. He outscored the Spurs bench. The entire bench. Yeah, yeah, 18 points. Their bench did not uh, come – their role players did not come to play, fortunately, for the Hornets. But this was a whole team effort, I think, Especially David. on defense, Doug, in that, in that third In the third quarter, quarter yeah. yeah. In the third quarter, the starters came out and played well, especially Courtney Lee and Nick Batum, I thought. He, he rebounded after a tough start, a couple of air balls. But, but Courtney Lee, 6 of 8 in that third quarter, played huge. And defense, he had to defend Danny Green and Manu Ginobili. Yeah, and, and he did a good job on both. I mean, Danny didn't have a field goal, uh, and I'm not sure what Manu did, but uh, I mean, they got they made their they made their money in the paint with their two big guys and the ageless wonder Tim Duncan and um, and uh, Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, that, that's where the Hornets got hurt a little bit, but hey, you're right. I mean, it was a total team effort, especially on defense. Uh, Courtney Lee was huge in that third quarter, and Lynn was. Yeah, just unstoppable. I mean, Popovich even said after the game he was unstoppable in that fourth quarter. So you need that. You need that type of performance, especially if you score seven points in the first quarter to beat a team like the Spurs. I mean, you're going to need some out-of-body experience almost. And, David, this happened on national television, on NBA TV, and I think that's important. You can see national writers clicking away furiously at their keyboards getting their Hornets takes in, trying to you know, research trying to research as much as they can now because it's obvious, I think, to a lot of people that this Charlotte Hornets team is for real. They're hanging around. You know, it's interesting because we've now – the Hornets have now gotten really big victories over the Miami Heat, who are really strong contenders in the East, and now the San Antonio Spurs, 
again, the, the, the very best, second best team in NBA history. And I went back to 2013, 2014, the last time this franchise made the playoffs. And I looked in that late February, March area, and I was trying to pick out a really big win for that franchise, a defining win. And they certainly, they racked up a lot of victories yeah. in, in that late period. And they went on a run and, and they were, you know, people were talking about them as a possible dangerous team in the playoffs. But they didn't have that defining victory. In fact, they lost a few games to the San Antonio Spurs, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Miami Heat then with LeBron James. Mm-hmm. So that to me, that's a big difference between the last time this team made the playoffs and this team is they are getting defining victories. And not only victories, but th- this amazing comeback victory that really shows uh, what this team is made of. They're fighters. They fought all season. Yeah, and you see that. We've talked about this a little bit, Doug. After a loss, the way they rebound and bounce back. Now, I was worried last night because the first quarter was so doo-doo. But, you know, after each (laughs) loss that we've seen as of late, they've come back with a good effort and and typically gotten a win. So you couple this game with the Miami Heat game last week, and those are two, you know, you you can plant a flag in either one of those and point to those as not only a measuring stick, but you know, a, a um, really, I mean, a wins in and of themselves. And I say that just to say that, you know, those are flagship wins. Um, they can take those and build on those because look at the two losses, Doug. They were both Western Conference losses, these two as of late in Dallas and Denver. So, you know, I was like, well, are they, is it just, you know, is it familiarity that they're beating on some of these lower level East teams and, and these, these West teams come in and they don't know them as well? I mean, who knows? But uh, you get a win against the Spurs and people pay attention. That's what's happening. And Clifford said it after the game. It starts with competing. And I'll take it a step further. It started with intensity. Courtney Lee bringing the intensity on the defensive end. And someone's mentioning it on Twitter as I speak. Kenneth, the defensive intensity in the third quarter was fantastic. Kenneth is right. And then on the offensive end, Jeremy Lin pushing the ball, forcing mismatches with the Spurs defense and forcing them – into uncomfortable situations because when they're deep, when the Spurs defense is set, when they know where everyone is supposed to be and, and, and they have the matchups, the Spurs defense is borderline unbeatable. But with Jeremy Lin, he was able to push the ball, get the ball up court, take chances. And that's the thing. When you're down 20 plus, when you're down 15, you got to take chances. And, and, and luckily for, for Jeremy Lin, again, his shot finally clicked. His instincts were correct. He took over the game when the team needed it. And credit to Kimba, he was on the bench cheering on Jeremy Lin the whole time. I mean, that's the thing. This team is unselfish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This I team mean, is unselfish. They play together. And that's how you can't fight through that kind of adversity that the Hornets fought through. Again, Jeremy, you look at Jeremy Lamb, who had to sit for several games because he wasn't playing well or wasn't playing the right way. He comes in does the things that he wasn't doing that caused him to be benched, mm-hmm. like p- getting on the boards, defensive intensity. He brought that to the game as well. So guys continuing to contribute inside the locker room with uh, Justin Thomas is coming up, and it's all about Jeremy Lamb and Troy Daniels, some great insider information coming up. Hey, we got some breaking news. Coming down the wire, so uh, Marvin rolled his ankle in this Spurs uh, – Hornets game. He wasn't able to return to that game after rolling that ankle. It's a sprained ankle. He's actually been declared out for tonight's game in Brooklyn. Kaminsky, Frank Kaminsky will get the start and Spencer Hawes also available to play. Marvin hasn't missed a game all season. This will be numero uno and he's been carrying a heavy minutes load. Just real quick, David, how will this affect the Hornets as they get on the road? Well, this is big. I mean, Marvin's been arguably the MVP for this team. I mean, in my eyes, it's certainly from a glue guy standpoint and one of their better, if not their best, three-point shooters. Now, he's had a, a bit of a dip um, over the last couple of games, so maybe this comes at a good time for him. Against the Nets, you would hope that the Hornets still have enough depth to recover from this. Um, well, this could I, be good. I mean, this could yeah, be a, a, I, a little bit of an energy boost in terms of getting Spencer Hawes back. And Spencer Hawes, you know, at, at times he can he can bring a different element to that second unit. 
um, in terms of passing, in terms of driving, and and obviously he brings a three point shooting element and a size element. So well, I think that's a thing. Uh, you're going to be able to recover that three point shooting, or you should be able to. But Marvin's been big on the boards. Yeah. So they're going to have to make that up. Um, and rim protection. Yeah, and rim <laughs> blocks blocking Lamarcus Aldridge down Amazing. low last night. I mean, he has been unbelievable this year. But you know, you hope that the guys. We've seen it all along, and up to this point, you know, somebody has stepped up when needed. Um, so, hey, I think it's a good thing for, for Frank to get that start, too, you know, see how he acclimates himself and goes out there. And he's, he's I, I think he's been handling himself well. I mean, I know he's getting a lot of heat, I think, from some people maybe that are just tuning in, so he's maybe not the impact rookie. But he's looking a lot more comfortable out there to me, and um, so I'm looking forward to that. I will be interested to see how Spencer Hawes plays with Al Jefferson. Mm. You have two Something guys. Right. It's amazing we're this far into the season. We've still got combos. That we, we haven't, haven't seen. seen yet. Maybe and, it's not amazing, but it's just weird. And and luckily, you know, Spencer Halls can space the floor, so there's not going to be that. But but Halls also likes to drive the ball and get inside, and he won't be able to do that. And we've seen Frank Kaminsky struggle with that a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, not having that option because the paint is uh, crowded with Al Jefferson on the floor. So you wonder how will Spencer acclimate himself and we'll just have to see. So we'll talk, we'll talk more about this in our Brooklyn preview coming up, but we have to get back out to the hive talk live hotline. Very special guest. We're going to try to come down off of that victory high by mixing two things that I know our hardcore Hornets listeners will love. That's March madness and Hornets history here to help is Tommy from charlottetees.com, an online Charlotte vintage t-shirt website, and this year, they are doing an all-Charlotte March Madness bracket. Tommy, welcome to the show. Tell us uh, how you split the regions of your Charlotte March Madness bracket. Hey, hey, happy to uh, be on. I appreciate you having me on. Um, Absolutely. Well, basically, it all started, uh, I'm, I'm obviously a huge, huge March Madness buff, and uh, I wanted to you know, try to do something special for all the you know, native Charlotteans out there like myself. Um, and, and create a you know 64 team full on bracket to kind of get get all the nostalgic uh, vibes going in the Charlotte area for uh, you know old school and new school Hornets fans as well as you know uh, just any old Charlottean. Um, but uh, I, I basically split it up into four brackets. Uh, I have the Panthers region, the Hornets region, media region, and venues region. Um, so it, it's it's been exciting. I, I kind of got a mix of old and new. I, I was, I mean, I'll admit I'm I was completely biased putting it together. Got uh, you know the old school Bill Walker, Debbie Fabian anchor team as the one and two seeds in the media region. Um, That's a powerful Alonzo one Mourning. and two right there. Yeah, You're a little biased, yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alonzo Mourning, Larry Johnson are pulling up the one and two uh, in the Hornets region. Uh, and got Steve Smith, of course, number one in the Panthers region. They they're in Bank of America Stadium, number one in the venues region. So, it's uh, we're on to the second round now. Second round voting is going on right now. Um, it uh, continues on until Wednesday at midnight, and we've seen some good responses so far, but uh, not not a lot of upsets, which which I'm hoping we can get some in the second round. Tommy, I like the way you have the Hornets ranked here. It's a mix of of skill and emotional favorites uh, like Trapuca yeah. and Phil. You have Zoe at number yeah. one over Larry Johnson, though. I'd like you to explain that one. Zoe, not uh, you know, we we obviously the team honored him as one of their legends, but he didn't spend too much time in town. Why why do you have Zoe over LJ, Grandmama? He didn't. That was yeah. That was that was that was hard for me to do. It was definitely uh, like I said. It was. It was uh, you know, maybe not done with the most unbiased perspective, but uh, I love <laughs> Grandma yeah, Ma was by far, by far my favorite player growing up. But uh, had to keep him at two. But obviously it was a mistake because he, I think he beat Eldon. I don't think Eldon Campbell got a single vote in the first round matchup. Uh, That's a tough draw. That's a tough draw for Eldon. So I have an Eldon Campbell beanie baby. It's the only pre-Hornets memorabilia that that survived. Oh, and the Baron yeah, Davis. Yeah, I still have my uh my uh Glenn Rice Glenn Rice teal, old school teal, so I'm I'm rocking that every time I, every chance I get. Tommy, who do you see taking the Hornets region as you look over round 
one and and now round two voting. Uh, definitely, definitely, Grandma Ma, like we said earlier, is probably definitely underseeded at the two. Um, would like to see. I was always a big Darren Davis fan as well. Would like to see yeah. him make a run. Um, but I mean, there's some good names on there too. You know, Muggsy Muggsy Bogues. Um, Muggsy Bogues over Kemba. I think yeah, Kimba was yeah. a little underseeded. Kimba at thir- Kimba at thirteen was a little underseeded. That's a tough draw for he Kimba was, too. He was like I mean I love love this year's Hornets, but uh, like I said, I'm a little I'm a little biased towards the old school. I, I mean, being born and raised in Charlotte, I gave a little bit more love to the '90s than uh, 2000s or, or Bobcats era. So, <laughs> uh, Tommy, where can people vote in round two and find out more about Charlotte T's? Yeah, absolutely. So we're uh, we're we're pretty fresh we're, we've only been in business now for about five months kind of came in on the on the heels of the panthers undefeated seat or well when they were undefeated um that was heartbreaking loss but uh yeah just go to uh charlottees.com and, and click on the blog section and i got all the basically breaking it down round by round there it's very easy you just uh click on the blog section it'll be right there click on the most recent post and, and you can vote up until uh wednesday at midnight uh, and then uh, make sure to vote in the Sweet 16 as well. Awesome. And that's Charlotte, the word Charlotte, and then T's, T-E-E-S dot com, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. And I got to say, some of these T-shirts on here, I mean, I think my favorite actually might be the Crockett Park throwback tee. That is for the old Charlotte heads right there, along with the Eastland oh, Hall yeah. skating rink. These, are, these yeah. are great. If you're from Charlotte, if you grew up around Charlotte, go check these things out. Uh, there's some awesome shirts on here. Uh, Tommy, yeah, definitely, definitely. Go ahead, uh, Tommy. Big, big, big Charlotte nostalgia nerd. So uh, that was, that was <laughs> I love, definitely we, we love anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tommy, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, also, if you see that Jamal Mashburn is suddenly in the second round and also in the the Sweet 16, don't worry, I've just hacked your website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining thanks for joining us. Man. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, yeah, follow them on Twitter at Charlotte Tees. Some Good cool stuff. stuff on there, Doug. You're gonna be you're gonna be doubling down on that vote button tonight. Well we should you know, we should mention that you you know, you're you're a little biased about the news anchor region because Look, I've got respect for the man. What can I say? He your, reared me. Your your father, Bill Walker. <laughs> News legend. Any I think he occasionally listens to the show. Um yeah, yeah. My mom's the one that doesn't listen. <laughs> and, and the rest of my family. <laughs> I love you, Daddy. Oh man. Oh. Uh, well. Seriously though, uh Crockett Park, Doug, does that ring any bells for you? It doesn't. Okay. I'm sorry. That's I, where the Charlotte O's used to play. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Baseball the baseball. That is the baseball, exactly. And also I mean, there is a Frank the Tank T-shirt out there. I'm just going to say, guys, go check it out. It's on Charlotte T. A Frank the Tank. Yep. I'm telling you, ahead of the game. I like it. Also, the Hive is alive. I think that's your that's your style right there. There's a picture of the old. The Hive was alive last night. The picture of the old Coliseum. Hive is alive. There were a lot of Spurs fans in Time Warner Cable Arena. Mm-hmm. I will give them that. They traveled well. Usually, you know, when a team's been good for ever, they normally travel well. They don't really pick up some bandwagon fans along the way. But Hornets fans were also in full tilt in that game. And I think, you know, again, I think national TV exposure is going to help. If they get into the playoffs, that will absolutely help. But they have to play well when they get there. That's the key to bringing the hive. The the atmosphere of the hive back is going to be winning a play, proving that this is a legitimate winning franchise. Yeah, I think, you know, the first playoff series they had back in here versus Orlando, that was an electric crowd. I mean, I don't know if you went to any of those games, Doug. You did not. I did not. Okay, I did. I went to one. We didn't win any of those games. But, um, I mean, people are ready. People people were ready then. I think this town has proven to be, if, if you give them a good product, a winning product, they're going to come out and support things. I mean, I really do think, you know, if they were to get home court advantage, it could be really interesting. Well, look, you have a perfect breeding ground for excitement around the team because you've got an exciting product that likes to shoot a lot of three-pointers. You've got exciting players like Kimball Walker and Nick Batum and Jeremy Lin and a couple of hometown kids. you got Tyler Hansborough, obviously. And 
you've also you you have an Eastern Conference race that is going to be tight all the way to the playoffs. So yeah. you, you've got meaningful basketball that could not the difference between an eight and a seven seed, which I think a lot of casual fans look as look to as oh you're inevitably going to exit the playoffs. If you're anywhere from four to six, you're say or three to six, you're saying okay there's a chance that that a second round is an option. So again, I, I think all of those things will factor in and uh, help the Hornets out. Absolutely. You ready for this next segment? Let me say before we get to this next segment, which we are are really excited about, um, and we've kind of kept it under wraps because I didn't want to give it away. Mm. But I just have to say, first of all, the studio is looking very nice. We got the sign from Hornets Gifts at Hornets Gifts. Uh, the Hive Talk Live sign is looking amazing. Shout out to to Kurt uh, for helping us out with with studio decorations. I said on Twitter, if you ever want to send us anything, we accept uh, pie, cakes. Any kind of food. Cupcakes, even. Even. Absolutely. All right, here we go. Time for uh, this segment, which we finally crafted. So uh, we have uh, one of the best beat writers in the game, Rick Bennell, for the Charlotte Observer. And when it comes time for March Madness, he is – he's hot. He's, he's got some, some sick burns out there. He's, he is ruthless. He, he, he is spitting – Twitter fire. He's he got the fire it, tweets. He keeps it 100. Yeah, he does. He Absolutely. Does. A 100 emoji for Rick Bennell. So we've, we've, um, we've culled, we've collected some of the best Rick Bennell burns on Twitter. These are actual tweets by the actual beat writer of the Charlotte Hornets, Rick Bennell. Are you ready for this, David? I've never been more ready. It's called Bennell's Burns. Burn! <laughs> The next 20 minutes will be the only time anyone cares about True TV until, oh yeah, next March. Burn! <laughs> you want to read the next one? You got to get in on this too, my friend. Here, here, have my page. I love Charles Barkley, but the over-under on college games he watches is below Syracuse's seeding. Burn! You have the right to remain burn! <laughs> Again, these are actual tweets. Fire tweets. All right, here we go. So the next one. So Dwayne Wade last made a three in December, and the Heat ran a play to get him a doink. That's a burn about a burn. That's a second-degree burn. Fire tweets. Kendrick Perkins looks really, really old. Oh, my God. Burn. Man, look, he has – he has very saucy opinions. All right, last one. You need one. one more? Yeah, last one. Here we go. Kemba stopped so suddenly on that drive, Rubio became the coyote falling off the cliff. <laughs> we love you, Rick. And these are all fair game because they're out there on Twitter. Hey, Anyone can get them. Some fair game? Of course there are some sick burns. <laughs> That's it. Keep them coming. Yeah, if you, ever see, coming, if you ever see Rick Bunnell spitting some saucy burnage, Tweet us. Let give us, us a know. Heads up. Yeah, give us a heads up. We'll we'll read them on the air. Just like Frank Kaminsky asking questions on Twitter. We basically we we kill time on this show by just by just looking at Twitter and and stealing <laughs> That's other generally people's what I do. material. The other twenty three hours of the day as well. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So let's go inside. Oh, actually, let me play my sound effect. Burn! Not that one. <laughs> That's a good one to play. All right, here An we go. Burn. Here we go. You know what that sound means? It means I still have not produced an introduction for Inside the Locker Room with Justin Thomas. Perfect. Perfect. Sorry, Justin. I, I love you to death. I, I swear I'm working on it. It's like the life of Pablo. It's just <laughs> never. It's ever evolving. It's ever. And listen, this is the intro to Inside the Locker Room is a work of art. Don't interrupt my creative process. Evolving work of art. Hit me up, Steve Ballmer. Uh, okay, time for Inside the Locker Room with Justin Thomas from ESPN 730. I spoke with Justin earlier today who is following the situation at the bottom of the, the Hornets rotation very closely. Jeremy Lamb, again, played very well last night against uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Only four points. We get into that. We talk about Troy Daniels as well. I don't want to spoil it anymore. Let's take a listen. 
Justin, thanks for joining us. You've been paying close attention to the rotation shuffle between Jeremy Lamb and Troy Daniels. Jeremy Lamb getting reinserted back into the starting lineup against the Spurs Monday night and only scored four points, but he had a definitive impact on the defensive end. A couple of uh, blocks, key blocks late in this game. You talked to him after the game. How did he feel? I'm going to say fatigue, but a good fatigue. <laughs> Obviously, you know, when you don't play, you know, for a few games, you know, you lose your legs and, and you know, it's a, you know, it takes a lot out of you. But I, I like what I saw from him. He came out. And one of the reasons, you know, they, they went to experiment with Troy Daniels, not because Jimmy wasn't particularly shooting the ball well, but, you know, he was, he was falling asleep on the defensive end. And last night, yes, he only scored four points, but he was very good on defense. I believe he had seven rebounds, and he was active. You know, you're, you're going to have games where you don't play particularly well, but as long as you're active, you look engaged. And that's what coaches want to see. And last night he was engaged. You can tell um, he was excited to be back on the floor. He definitely looked engaged. Let's take a step back. You also talked to Coach Clifford before the game on Monday night about this situation between Troy Daniels and Jeremy Lamb. What did you glean from head coach Steve Clifford as to why he's deciding to shuffle up the rotation this late in the season? I know Clifford from when when he first got here. He said, when it gets to the last 20 games, the best players are going to play. And around that time, that is exactly when, you know, Jeremy Lamb was, was you know, starting to, was starting to look, you know, he didn't look too good. You know, you're watching the games, you're like, ah, oh, he's not making shots. He's not looking too good on defense. And then, you know, as, as any good coach would do it, and you're trying to make that playoff push, you have another option, you're going to go with that option. Um, Clifford said that what, what went into that decision, you know, is, Lamb being a night-in and night-out player, that's new to him because he wanted a consistent night-in and night-out player in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City. So they wanted to give him some time to regroup. Meaning, Jeremy wasn't playing too great. Let's see what Troy can do. They brought Troy in the game. And then, you know, Troy, he had the, he had the good game, um, I guess, against Sacramento that one time. We scored 28. So you, you knew going into it, you said, okay, well, we know he can shoot. And, you know, as a pro, he's always going to be ready. So let's give him a shot. And, you throw Troy Daniels out there, then you realize, okay, you know, he looks a little human. But you stick with Troy for a few games, and Troy wasn't bad. You could just tell it was different for him. He was playing meaningful minutes and meaningful games, and rather than just going out and playing his game, you could tell he was thinking a lot. So you give Troy four to five games, and then you come back to the drawing board. So, all right, what do we feel? You know, do we want to keep riding with Troy, or do we feel like Jeremy is ready to go? And I feel like the coaches, you know, they all sat down and said, okay, let's give Jeremy a shot. And they threw Jeremy back out there, and as a professional, he was ready to go. On the Hive O'Clock Alarm this morning, David and I were talking about the peculiar situations with both Jeremy Lin and Jeremy Lamb, who both played exceptionally against San Antonio on Monday night. But you have one guy in Jeremy Lin who really had to play through his adversity, and then you have another guy in Jeremy Lamb who had to sit through his adversity. You've spoken with him multiple times. How do you think he took being benched, and how, do, do you think he used that in in preparing himself for Monday night's game? I do. Um, I, I really do because we, we even talked about this because with Jeremy, you knew his shot. You know, with Lynn, you knew he was struggling with his shot, you know, because, you know, he worked on his mechanics. So, you know, when a guy is going through a shooting change, you want him to keep shooting. Lynn kept doing that, and last night was a game that shot started to fall. For Lamb, Lamb took a different approach Lamb was set. And I, I think what, what was really good about that is, one, he, he always remained positive. He was always up, cheering for his teammates, handled like a real pro. And, and what I thought it really did for him is, you know, the start of the season, he was really good. And then, you know, you say, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a consistent night in and out player. You know, they just offered me an extension. You know, I'm good to go. Maybe some nights, you know, I, I could kind of look disengaged. You know, and, and what I thought was really good about Clifford was, no, you know, we're trying to make a playoff push. You know, we need to make changes. And when you were able to let him sit, you know, he was able to see, okay, this this is a business right here. We're trying to make a playoff push. In order for me to play, I have to bring it. And, and sitting down and watching, you can tell that, you know, when he got back, he's ready to play. And after the game, he said, you know, it wasn't the easiest. He said, um, I mean, he was familiar with it because his time at Oklahoma City when he didn't get a lot of minutes. 
And he said, but, you know, the only thing I could do is, was just keep working and staying positive. And, you know, when my name was called again, I'd be prepared. And, and, you know, he didn't have the greatest of shooting nights, but he still had a really good game. All right, Justin, as we wrap this up, I'm, I'm going to ask you to uh, make an opinion here. Who do you think should get the majority of the star, the majority of the minutes, the majority of the rotation looks moving forward and into the playoffs, Jeremy Lamb or Troy Daniels? That's a, actually a really good question. I, I think it, it kind of varies. I personally say you go with Lamb. I feel like Lamb gives you a little bit more because he's longer. Um, he can also put it on the floor. And, and he can do some different things for you. I like Trey Daniels. I, I like his game a lot. Um, and he can also shoot. And I can actually give you a little of both. I do think Lamb should get the bulk of those minutes. But if there's a time where, where Lamb, you know, isn't having his best night, whether it's offensively or defensively, and he doesn't look as engaged, I believe you can go to Troy Daniels. So I would, I would give the majority of the minutes to Lamb. But, if Lamb, but, you know, as the season progresses and, you know, the game starts to mean more and more, if there's a time when he doesn't look too good, I still think you're, you're confident enough in, in bringing in Troy and, and having Troy play in spots when his name is called. Inside the locker room with our good friend and my co-host for Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 730, Justin Thomas. He's in the locker room, folks. And he's inside. <laughs> Why did you do that? Uh, yeah, no, and, and great information. He likes Jeremy Lamb over Troy Daniels. What advantages do you think Jeremy Lamb brings over Troy Daniels in this rotation? I agree with him. I think, you know, I think maybe the athleticism, I think, and just a, maybe a, a higher ceiling. I don't know. I mean, to me, Troy Daniels is a guy that you can still plug in there when you need some scoring and when you need some three-point shooting. Good um, shooting. Yeah, good shooting. And Lamb's going to give that okay to you. Okay defense. Okay, right. Smart defense. Not great defense, but he's not going to make – egregious errors right right and what i think they hope to get from lamb is more of a consistent like we said a consistent effort and and cut down on the mistakes so i mean they've got to be pinning he's got their those, hopes I on mean, lamb look, he's more got those, than more than daniel no for sure he's got those crazy long arms and we saw those put to use uh, on defense and when they are when the focus is there when the energy is there when the intensity is there for jeremy lamb he's a threat on the defensive end because yeah. of the physical assets that he possesses um, and, and I just think he's, he's a great shot creator. This team is a better team when four out of the five guys can handle the ball and get to the rim. Yeah, that's true. Because it's not only about guys that can finish at the rim. The Hornets certainly have a few of those and Jeremy Lamb being one of them. He's good. He's a really good finisher at the rim, but Clifford says it game after game. This team is better when the ball gets to the paint and then moves out to the three point line, as opposed to just a, a pull up jump shot. And again, that's where I think Jeremy Lamb provides you an, uh, an advantage over Troy Daniels because Daniels, I think, needs another season or two to work on that handle. And so I, I like Jeremy Lamb if the defensive intensity is there. But you know what I also gleaned from this information from, from young Justin Thomas? Mm-hmm. I think Steve Clifford has done a great job of, of managing different players differently. And I don't think that's a given in the NBA. I think that you have some coaches that have a, a coaching style or a way to manage personalities or players, and that's just the way they do it. And, and the players need to conform to their their way of thinking. But I think Clifford takes a different approach. You know, he lets Jeremy Lin shoot his way out of a difficult stretch, but he stayed on Jeremy Lin constantly in games, and I'm sure he did the same in practice as well. But with, with Jeremy Lamb not having that same experience playing night in and night out, he lets Lamb regroup and regain his fire because some guy and, and Jeremy Lin's been around the block. He's been in the league. He's been in starting situations. He's had all of the light shining on him. So sitting him, that's not, that's just going to, I think that for a guy like that, who's been there, done that, that's going to hurt his development. Well, and I also think it, it, it gives something for Troy Daniels to say, Hey, if we need you in the playoffs, you know, you've had this little stretch where you've played significant minutes. Exactly. And, and recognizing when a guy brings a certain thing to your team and making sure the engine is warm and making sure you find opportunities to, to keep him active in the rotation and, 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 and get the, develop those relationships within the rotation. Yeah. I mean, look, Jeremy Lamb in this era of positionless basketball, I mean, you would be hard pressed to create a player if you're on, NBA 2K, Doug. 
as I know you will do from time to time. I mean, he's kind of your prototypical wing, right? I mean, he can play, what, two through four? Maybe. Theoretically? I mean, two through, definitely two and three. Yeah, maybe not four. <laughs> maybe not four. He's a little skinny. But, but I think, you know, as a wing player, he can he can go out there and, and, and play a couple positions and, and give you threats in other ways that maybe Troy Daniels can't, even though perhaps at this time Troy Daniels' skill, his shooting is better than – you know, anything else, one thing that, that Lamb might do, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, well, and just having Troy Daniels as a viable option yeah. keeps the pressure on Jeremy Lamb to – I mean, it's not necessarily – I'm not saying it's a – because both of these guys handled this situation incredibly well. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a threat, but I'm saying there is a guy in the wings. Pardon the pun. Because they yeah. are both wings, and it can be it can be uh, you know take some of the pressure off some guys too. But I, mean, I think it's just been handled well. Yeah. And, and well, that's and that's the big takeaway is that through all of this, you hear the same thing from both Troy Daniels and Jeremy Lamb. Clifford has been communicating with both guys. Right, openly. it wasn't a shock, right? Like Lamb didn't show up one day. That, those kind of things are simple, but they can break a team, especially a team in a group. Even at the bottom of a rotation, as that can as, really disrupt the team. And, and I mean, yeah, yeah, this goes through. Forget basketball from anybody in any work or life job situation. Communication, if you know what's going on, is going to help everybody down the ranks. Um, so that's my two cents on life and living and being happy. Man, what a time to be alive! It's a great time to be a Hornets yeah. fan. When we can talk about the bottom of the rotation and having options and having guys waiting in the wings, that's a luxury, okay? You got to take care of uh, putting a roof over your head and, and, and finding food and making fire before you can ever think about making art. And the Hornets right now are working on making art because they've taken care of some of the, the necessities of life. Hey, it's time for the At the Hive. <laughs> you like that? All right, it's time for the At the Hive roundtable question. This is coming up. Uh, it's going to be in a post near you very soon on atthehive.com. The roundtable question is, what current Hornets player or staff member had the best NCAA tournament run? I love this question because it made me research all of the different guys that had great tournament runs that play or are on the staff for the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, it starts at the top. Michael Jordan, game winner, 1982. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even lump him in. My... <laughs> <laughs> you can't forget about MJ. I forgot about you. Sorry, bro. You've got Marvin, 2005 championship with North Carolina. He was the sixth man, 11.6 rebounds. Patrick Ewing, assistant coach. His two memorable ones, he lost. His the 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 games that he played really well, he lost. He won his junior year yeah. versus Houston. Uh, Frank. Dancing his way through the dance, lost the championship game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Tyler Hansbro, 2009 for the, the Tar Heels, set a record for tourney points all time, but he was not the most outstanding player in that tournament. Do you remember who in 2009? Ty Lawson. Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington. Wow, I yeah. I, I think the immediate thought would be Ty Lawson as well, but it was Wayne O'Drano. Saw his threes. Yeah, that, that, really, that really was it. Yeah. Uh, MKG, obviously, 2011 National Championship with Anthony Davis at Kentucky and Kimba Walker put a UConn on his back, storming through the Big East Tournament and NCAA Tournament. 11 straight wins, third seed. But uh, they almost killed college basketball with that NCAA Tourney final versus Butler. <laughs> so Kimba, great, great that's for – well, he didn't shoot very well in that final. He had like 18 points, but he did not shoot very well. But 11 straight wins, you can't take that away from them. But they literally – I mean, they almost no, – it was across the board. You can't take it away, Doug. You can't take it away. It was across the board. Well, you can't take away the championship. But <laughs> they almost killed tournament basketball that year. So who do you think? Uh, my vote's for Kemba. Um, he, he, he embodied that entire tournament from the Big East through the national championship game. And that's something that's still brought up to, to this day. I mean – seems like every year UConn has some point guard that does that, so they always give back to the Kimba highlights. But it was Kimba and Jimmer that year, and there was a lot of back and forth. And so to me, he owned that entire tournament, that entire month of March, and he won the national championship. So I, I thought about Hansborough as well just because he was such a dominating force. But like you said, 
and like I said, actually, Lawson was really the catalyst for that team. It was a sneaky engine that made that team go. And then Ellington was actually the MOP. So um, not to not to diss Tyler or anything, but Kimba was was everything for that UConn team. That also included Jeremy Lamb, who had a very nice title game, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So that would be my pick. Okay. I always, when we do these kind of questions, I always attack the question. And, and oh, so are everyone we talking, loves that, Doug. Keep going. Are we, <laughs> are we talking about oh, the God. best individual run, or are we talking about that the, he played on the team with the best NCAA tournament run? Because I think if, if you're talking about – I think Tyler Hansborough had the best NCAA tournament run with North Carolina because it was so dominant. I mean, yeah. no team challenged North Carolina in 2009. True. And no, I'm not just being biased because that was my no, senior that was year actual thing. at Carolina. No, they true. dominated the tournament. Yeah. Double digits nearly every game. Maybe every game. I'm not sure. It wasn't close. But I think if you're just giving it to an individual, I think you got to go Patrick Ewing because – he was a dominant force statistically in really all three of the games, the finals that he was in. But that team was loaded. I mean, those teams were loaded. But he did it for three straight years. I mean, they lost to North Carolina in 82, and they lost to Villanova. That was a bad one his yeah. senior year. But his junior year, beating Houston, just a dominant force. You, do you remember the the 82 tournament that they lost. And he, totally, start, I remember he, it. he well, yeah. no, I, he, listen, you watched ESPN classic. Don't get, <laughs> listen, you're like 72 years old. Shut yeah. up. Uh, but he had like five goaltends, goaltends. to start that they game. They told him to go out there and goaltend everything just to get inside the head. Intimidate. That yeah. may be the worst tactical. Move. It almost worked. I don't know. If not for a young kid from Wilmington, North hey, Carolina. Listen, go, go spot them 10 points. Don't worry. It'll intimidate the crap out of them. I mean, maybe it worked <laughs> eventually. It just took two years. I don't know. That's a good one. I did think about I'm that. I'm going to go Patrick Ewing. That's fine. Um, you can go that way if you want, but. There you go. It's Kimbo. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Brooklyn. It tips off at 730, about a little over half an hour from oh, now. Oh, there's a game tonight. There's a game tonight. Oh, there there can't be any letdown. So hope the Hornets, the Hornets had a let all day celebrating. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> so the Hornets had a letdown after the Miami game and lost the Denver game. Then the Spurs had a letdown after the Golden State victory and lost to the Hornets. And, and hopefully this doesn't continue to just transfer back and forth and, and they can continue this momentum against a Brooklyn team that for all intents and purposes is preparing for next season, but they've got really good players. Do the Hornets currently have the NBA title belt? Remember that thing that was going around last year? No, we probably have to go look that up. Do you recall that? The title belt? Oh yeah. yeah. So it was basically started on NBA Reddit, I think, but it started at the beginning of the season, right? So the Warriors would have had the belt for. Oh, until they however, lose. And then, yeah. So then whoever beat them, so we'd have to trace it back. So. I don't know if they probably don't, have it. They probably I don't think we have enough time for that, unfortunately. And be ready. Get get at me. <laughs> uh, Brooklyn's got some good players. Bogdanovich, who I mentioned in the last Brooklyn preview, he's still he's playing even better. He's got a starting role now. And, and, and they picked up this guy out of the D-League, Sean Kilpatrick. You better guard Kilpatrick or you'll get your ass kicked. <laughs> Shooting the ball extremely well. Jeez. They also brought up Trajan. An, they also have Trajan Langdon on staff now. On. Assistant GM. Trajan Langdon, yeah. yeah, from Duke. I think I believe he went to Duke, yeah. He's friends with uh, uh, Sean Marks when, from the Spurs. They're, that's Brooklyn's just stealing Spurs guys. Well, I mean, not, a, might, bad not a bad strategy given recent history, especially. Brooklyn's also going to get some infusion back into their lineup, including possibly Brooke Lopez and most certainly Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who has missed a ton of games with a fractured foot. He's back in the lineup tonight, and he is a defensive presence that I think Brooklyn – has sorely missed. So you can't, you know, if you're the Hornets, you got to take this team seriously. I think they will. I think that game against the Spurs was both a wake-up call and a re-energization. Is that a word? Re-energization. That is not. Re-energization for the Hornets. Um, okay, how many minutes? A couple minutes left. Time for one last thing. I said it in the open of the show. We heard the funniest thing that I think I've ever heard in, in any NBA press conference and it came courtesy of head coach Steve Clifford. It is the subject of the latest installment in, in one of my favorite segments on the show called, I Like That. Oh, I like that. 
roll the clip. Uh, someone asked Steve Clifford about that. You remember that timeout in the Spurs game? Second quarter. They come out of the second what, quarter. 11 seconds in there? 11 seconds in. Who does that? that who, calls, trigger. who calls a timeout with 11 seconds into the quarter? Well, Steve Clifford does. Someone asked him after the game, uh, what did he say to the guys 10 seconds into the second quarter? Here's what he said. Please try harder. <laughs> I'm begging you. I know you all make more money than me. I know most of you could get me fired. I'm just saying, please, so I can sleep on the plane tonight. Just try a little bit harder. And they took a vote that was 8 7. You know, first being the 8th, and so they said, ask what we'll try harder. And that was it. That's Whoa, good. sounded like Saturday night at the Yuck Yuck Factory. <laughs> I love it. Oh, listen. That's it, awesome. It's funny, but I think, you know, it's honesty, man. I, I think that's all you can ask for. Clifford is a vastly underrated as a uh, post-game uh, press conference. Yeah, and, it, I mean, and, well, so and it came against the, the, the grandfather, the, the granddaddy. The godfather. The godfather. Yeah. Popovich. Popovich. I didn't hear any of his post, post-game quotes. I'm sure they were gems, though, as usual. Uh, I think he had a comment on Jeremy Lin. said, you know, did pretty good. No, we couldn't stop him. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for us, Hornets fans. Thanks so much to our wonderful, wonderful guests, Tommy from com and Taylor Zarzer from Sirius XM Radio. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. Go to AtTheHive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. For David and producer Katie, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing, all hail the teal and purple. Thank you.